Welcome to the FootballWeather.com podcast. Buenos dias, buongiorno, guten tag. Welcome to the FootballWeather.com podcast. You're here with Stuart. Um, given that we are in the midst of World Cup fever, I thought only apt that we um, do a, a little pod on week one of the World Cup. So what have we seen over the last week? Well, there have been some big results. Um, Russia, the host, kicked things off with a convincing victory over Saudi Arabia. An absolute drubbing um, for the uh, for the Saudis. Russia, um, back off very, very low expectations, certainly from a, a lot of the media. Um, with a fairly resounding victory, it was most unexpected. Um However, you know, the home nation, they are a, a half-decent team at least, um, partisan crowd, you know, is it really that that strange? You know, who knows? It all seems very rosy at the moment. Um, of course, you know, Russia are not immune to, to scandal in the past. You just have to think back to, to, to the, uh, the Sochi Winter Olympics with all the, uh, the doping scandals and what have you. There have also been rumours or allegations in, in some of the press about you know, further sporting doping um, from the Russians in recent times. So we need to wait and see if any of that comes out. Hopefully not. Um, hopefully it is just a you know, good performance um, at the moment. And it was most unexpected. And it's good also to see Russia kind of progressing through and you know potentially making it out of the the group stage as well um into the next round keeps keeps the level of home interest up um it's all very good the reigning champions germany um expected to to beat mexico but it didn't go all their way um the mexicans with uh, a very very deserved and good 1-0 victory over the Germans, very solid uh, Mexicans, Mexicans, sorry, but with a very potent attacking threat, particularly in the first half, where they managed to catch Germany out a lot of time in the counter attack, given Germany's style, you know, the ball possession, the uh, the immaculate kind of build up, Mexico springing uh, attack after attack in the first half, and and really putting the Germans under pressure. Um, and coming out with uh, with a really good victory, there was some was a stat I saw. Um, it was a number of times that uh, in the opening games of the World Cup that you know teams have had players who have been beaten by an opponent or or skinned or or, or the ball was bypassed them. And Germany were top of this list with about sixty from the first game, which was which was you know a significant amount higher than any other team. But I think it just reflects the open nature um, of the German football. That they uh, they played against Mexico. Mexico, while being solid, did offer um, an attacking threat. As I said, this has been the case with a few teams who have um, who have upset the apple cart, so to speak. Another one was Iceland, who played uh, Argentina. Um, they finished uh, in a one-one draw, and Argentina took the lead. They had a really good goal from uh, Sergio Aguero. But shortly after, Iceland, um, sticking very much to the blueprint, which, uh, you know, they operated so well in Euro 2016. Very, very solid, very um, compact, very good in defence, but when they need to, um, when the situation calls for it, you know, they, they can spring an attack, they can uh, offer skill and invention up front, and they, you know, they proved that again with, uh, with an equalising goal. Um, and some further attacks as well against Argentina. 
Um, so it's not all defence, it's, it's a game plan they stick to and everybody knows it but you know they've shown over a, a good few years now it's the, you know they, they got to the last Euros, got quite far in the World Cup before that they were in the playoffs and everything as well so a good team, um, very solid uh, but also you know good going forward and nobody's really managed to, to, to hold up the task for that yet um, within the game, part, partly or possibly down to Iceland's structure um, but possibly just, you know, as a, a slow-burning start. Um, Lionel Messi was slightly subdued. You know, he did offer flashes of invention, but it's difficult when you're playing against, you know, a well-drilled, well-drilled side like Iceland. On the contrary, though, um, Ronaldo, um, everybody's favourite uh, comparison to Messi, um, inspired Portugal to a, well... Say inspired, but you know, was inspirational in Portugal's 3-3 draw with Spain. A very, very exciting match. Two teams, you know, open, skillful, playing atta- uh, attractive attacking football, looking to attack. Um, I think Portugal were ahead for half an hour. Spain were then ahead for half an hour. It was end to end. Ronaldo with, you know, a, a, a penalty which he won, um, a shot which slipped through to here, um, but then. A brilliant free kick at the end, which I think was his first uh, first goal from a free kick in 45 attempts at major tournaments, which is staggering when you think about it, but also, you know, testament to the man who, you know, stepped up when it was needed. Um, the game had everything, you know, drama, great goals, great mistakes. It was, it was absolutely wonderful. Mentioned Argentina um, with a slow start there against Iceland. This was the same for Brazil. Um, who you know struggled and ended up drawing 1-1. I think this is more of an indictment of the early stages of a World Cup, where you know solidity is valued more than uh, more than anything. Um, you know teams are turning up, particularly if they're playing one of the big boys or so-called big boys. Teams turn up and uh, you know want to make sure they try and get something out. Want to make sure they're they're not on the first flight back home, or that the, you know the, the second and third games are not you know must win or dead rubbers or what have you so I expect things to open up as as the group stage progresses and uh, you know we'll see how Brazil do certainly on paper they've got a very very promising team a very attacking team Um, lots of uh, lots of great players in there Neymar inspired his his attitude's been disappointing at PSG over the past year he he was a golden boy in the last World Cup and he you know he he did kind of um, steal kind of hearts and minds during that tournament but the kind of spoilt brat approach that seems to have come since he's moved to PSG was slightly evident, unfortunately, in that Brazil game. But you know, hopefully, he can put it together with you know the skill and ability of the likes of Coutinho or Gabriel Jesus as well. Um, very exciting, and I would expect Brazil to go quite far in the tournament. Now, the the noisy neighbours, England. Um, yeah, they were slightly sluggish um, over the piece in their game against Tunisia. Started really, really well. Absolutely on fire at the beginning. Missed a lot of chances though. Um, I think if they'd taken a couple of those early chances, it could well have been a far more comfortable victory rather than the, the kind of the 2-1 victory secured in the last minute against Tunisia. However, probably the right result um, overall. Um, it took their time uh, in achieving the result, but they had the territory, they had the possession... Um, and they had the beating of Tunisia, importantly. You know, it pains me to say it as a, as a Scotland fan. Um, 
but I think England do have a, a chance of going quite far in the, in the tournament. They're organised, they've got good players. Southgate, I think, is a really good manager. He seems to have, have the team organised. Seems to have got rid of a few of the, the kind of more negative characters, which is, was maybe proven when he left a few uh, players out of the squad and the players then subsequently threw tantrums and kind of demonstrated a, a feeling of entitlement that they should be in the squad. So he's obviously got players who are there on, on merit. Um, there with hunger. I don't think there's many other England managers over the the past few years who have, would have been picking players like, you know, Harry Maguire, whose CV lists Hull and Leicester. You know, not the most glamorous of teams, but you know he was absolutely immense against Tunisia. So I think there's a a refreshing look to England, and you know we'll we'll see how they get on as the tournament goes on. But it, it will be very interesting. Um, we're interested to see how they got on against a, a kind of better, more attacking side. I think that's when the the real test will come for them. But you know, watch this space. Uh, I think they could do relatively well in the tournament. One thing about the England game, though, um, against Tunisia, was it was the first real game where you know everybody's favourite uh, refereeing aid VAR um, got a few things wrong. There was a few kind of penalties that England could or or should have had. Up until then, there had been relatively little controversy with VAR um, in the games before. There was a few penalty decisions which yeah, maybe should or shouldn't have been given, but most of the time it had been right and it hadn't caused too many delays. It had been working relatively successfully. Now, VAR, it's something which I am naturally sceptical about. Um, I appreciate the reasons behind it. Um, you know, game-changing decisions like handballs on the line, or you know, or, or fouls that the referees maybe missed that are were a penalty, or, or or red cards that should be red cards and things like that. It, they need to be made, and it is game-changing stuff. And you understand it more when when you realise that so much money and sponsorship in the game. You know, sponsors want the top players through, and the, the end results and you know, end stages of the tournament. If they're being you know, prevented from doing so through bad decisions, then, you know, a lot of people are losing a lot of money from dodgy decisions, so it's within everyone's interest to, to make sure the right decisions, and in terms of, you know, sporting integrity or, or whatever you call it, you know, it's also good to have the correct decisions being made, particularly on, on the big calls. However, I am one to think that, you know, mistakes and injustice or, or bad luck are parts of sport. Um, you know, we've all, you know, played football or, or supported football teams where we've had decisions go against us or we've had decisions go for us. And, you know, in terms of the enjoyment of the game, it, it makes it more exciting, makes it more passionate. And I think there's a, you know, potentially a danger of, you know, diluting that raw passion, that raw emotion that you feel with injustices, whatever side that you're on um, with VAR. But, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I think. One thing is for certain, there needs to be a definition between you know, preventing howlers, preventing absolute terrible decisions from referees, but also replacing one subjective call with another. So the referee might have a good view of a penalty call where you know, a defender slides in and uh, maybe gets a touch on the ball but brings the ball down and you know, VAR maybe look at it and tell him to review it and then it becomes, oh, well, was it? Oh. I think... An example of that potentially was the was the France penalty against Australia. Now there was an argument both ways. There was a slight touch from the Australian 
defender as he slid in on uh, on Griezmann to get the ball, but then he caught Griezmann, didn't get quite a lot of the ball. Referee didn't give it initially, but then walking on VAR, I don't feel it was, you know, personal, I don't feel it was clear cut. I was watching the, the game with others who, you know, the, the uh, opinions were mixed and that's it, it becomes a subjective decision. So, you know, what's the point of replacing one subjective decision with another subjective decision? Why not just have the referee's subjective decision in the first place? Yeah, I mean, you could argue that, you know, a subjective decision after reviewing it and being better informed is maybe, you know, a better place to be or a better you know platform to be on than making it from, you know, 20 yards away if they're on the break of that. But, yeah, I think... Uh, I think there's a, a long way to go with VAR, and we'll, we'll see how it pans out. Um, I think it's probably here to say, uh, here to stay, as I said, with um, you know the the money and the input and the, the the kind of high stakes that are with with some of this decision making as well. But I think it needs to be you know refined and and used in the appropriate circumstances. Of course, in the uh, in the UK, we are we're not as used to it as they are on the the European continent, when it's been used in some of the in the leagues um, for for a wee while for for the past season. So I think as it gets rolled out, uh, you know, it will become more commonplace, and the appreciation of it will become will become greater. Um, it obviously works well in other sports like rugby or American football and things like that. So you know, there are different games, there's different natures to them, but I think you know. If it is here to stay, then you know as long as it's properly defined, then it you know could be advantage advantageous for the sport. But we'll see how it goes. It's interesting watching you know the the tournament anyway, and it it does add a little bit of drama. But you know we'll see. I'm I'm still slightly skeptical over it, but you know I'm here to be one round. Um, you know this is a it's a point that you know everyone have an opinion on, and, and please feel free to to leave any comments on our. On our Twitter feed, that's um, at Football Weather on Twitter, or indeed just email us through the website. That's the the Weather dot com. Um, let us know your thoughts on VAR. Um, other aspects to do with the World Cup that have been, you know, pretty interesting. You know, as always, are the the cultural side of things. Now, you know, uh, looking back to you know the last World Cup in Brazil, you, you got the feel when it was a the whole thing was a it was a real carnival. That time of atmosphere, everyone was partying, enjoying. It was such a great atmosphere. Um, you know it, that transcended the kind of the TV and radio waves back to the UK. Here, um, it looked great to be. Russia. There was a lot of you know pessimism going into this. There was a lot of fear, um, of violence, or you know, or you know, political situations erupting and you know diminishing. Um, you know, fan experience, and I think a lot of fans particularly from the UK, may have stayed away for that reason. Um, to date, there's been no kind of trouble, really, to speak of. Certainly not to the extent that we've seen before, perhaps, in you know, European Championships or previous World Cups. You know, there's been no, you know, cafes and town centres being smashed up and, you know, gang warfare between, you know, different sets of fans. There's been none of that so far. Um, perhaps... That's due to all the warnings that were in place. Perhaps that's due to you know large contingents of more volatile fans staying away because they know that you know if they do come and cause trouble, it will be met with the, the full force of the the kind of both probably the the Russian um, hooligans, but also maybe the Russian police and stuff at the same time. Um, or you know it could be this kind of you know some more of this sort of um, 
I don't know if you'd describe it, the, this kind of new Cold War type of suspicion where, yeah, you know, there's a maybe some of these gangs have been, you know, infiltrated and it's maybe getting a bit too Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy, but, you know, it seems to have been run very well anyway. And it, I think, you know, long may that continue, the, you know, the lack of violence, the lack of any trouble. You know, indeed, on the flip side of that, we've, you know, seen a lot of pictures and, and clips on the TV and of Russian fans and, and other fans, whatever, you know, race, nationality, all mixing and mingling and, you know, having a right good party. And I think that's great to see. And I think it, you know, perhaps dispels a lot of myths. You know, there's maybe been maybe been a bit of, you know, propaganda in the, in the Western media about, you know, nasty old Russia. You know, perhaps justified, perhaps not. But certainly, the, you know, when fans are mingling, the normal people in the street seem to seem to all be appreciative of each other and that, you know, it does seem to be a good party going on. That party is, um, you know, it seems to have been mostly sparked by a lot of the Latin American fans, um, just like in Brazil, it has to be said. You know, you had the Peruvian fans, stories of, you know, massive parties, really joyous, joyous fans. Same with, uh, you've seen a lot of Mexican fans in the in the grounds as well, not just at their 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 own game against uh, against Germany. So it seems to be part of the atmospheres and, and friendships blooming as well. Other really interesting cultural uh, features have included the um, the Japanese fans cleaning the stadium. Um, after the match against Colombia, um, so you know you go to the match and you know you've had a you know a, a cup of beer or, or tea or coffee or juice or you know you've had a a box of chips or something like that and you know you or a, a pie if you're in Scotland or, or England, you know you leave the um, the cartons or that underneath the seat, but you know the Japanese fans were were going about and you know picking up all these from their their sections and, and putting them all in bin bags, you know, ready for the, you know, for collection by the by, by the staff of the stadiums, which is really refreshing to see. And you know, reading you know, further about it, and it, I think it's just a an extension of Japanese culture, very well mannered, very well meaning, um, and that seems to have you know been infectious. It's weird that. You know, the, after that Japan game, you saw the uh, the Senegal game, <clears throat> where their fans were, you know, adopting similar practices. They were, you know, Senegalese were, you know, fans were, were going and picking up rubbish as well. And it, it's a wonderful thing to see. It's, you know, it's almost the, the polar opposite of um, what we what we feared or, or what was feared going into the tournament that, you know, rather than, you know, trashing cafes and, you know, throwing chairs across town squares, um you know, fans, you know, rival fans doing the same, throwing chairs at each other, from bottles at each other. Fans are now mixing and, and picking up mess. It's uh, it's staggering. It's it's wonderful, and it just shows you that you know football, you know, can be enjoyed by everybody, and there is a mutual respect, and you know that all costs nothing, and it's you know it's really wonderful to see. Um, and certainly in these, these kind of like troubling times, politically at least. Um, so no, great to see um, those cultural aspects coming through in the World Cup there. So what are the expectations going forward into the uh, the next few weeks? Well, after sticky starts, I would think that Germany, Brazil and Argentina will probably still go through. Argentina, I feel a bit more precarious, but you know, probably be okay. Maybe not, but you've got to hope that, you know, the big teams get through. I think Sampaoli, the manager, a very good, talented manager, um, took Chile, you know, really far. I think 
it's possible when hindered a little bit with Argentina. He's a coach that seems to need to work with his players a lot. He's got a very kind of innovative and, and modern tactical ideas and sometimes in, in uh, international football it's not quite possible. I remember Conte at Italy basically drilled his Italian team in a tactical system you know, within three or four weeks before one of the previous tournaments. But I think Sampaoli is that innovative and that fluid that I think it's difficult to drill players into into a tactical system because I don't think he uses a single tactical system. I think it'll be a very, what well, is usually a very fluid formation that he seems to utilise. Indeed, a lot of the friendlies and then they get a match against Iceland, you know, at times it seemed like a almost a, you know, two... You know, two defenders and then two midfielders and then you know the rest were were attacking at times. So, yeah, I think it's difficult for him to 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 establish something with Argentina. Germany as well struggled. They've I almost feel I've, I've actually seen Germany a few times and, and watched them live as well. Um, you know, sort of in person. And you know, ever since the you know the, the semi final against Brazil. In 2014, where they absolutely demolished Brazil, and they were ruthless, you know, brilliant, you know, football. Since then, they seem to, when I've watched them, seem to, you know, they're very comfortable in the ball, very good at going forward, but seem to almost miss or just lack that absolute ruthless streak. It's all nice, it's all good, it's all everything that you want, but they just don't seem to to have an end product, and that was. That was the case against Mexico. They had a few half chances, but you know the really the best attempt on goal was you know in the last couple of minutes when I think it was Julian Brandt who came on and you know smashed a, a volley. I think it clipped outside the post. And but beyond that, they they kind of struggled and they laboured, and that seems to have been the case. They you know they'll get goals here and there and stuff, and they'll win most games. But when it comes to that kind of cutthroat edge, I think they really need to to kind of step up. But you know, this game's probably or possibly or perhaps hopefully, given on your your point of view, you know, the, maybe a kick up the uh, the rear end that that they need to to move on and progress and and get back to the the Germany that we've seen previously. I think uh, you know beyond those those three, I think Uruguay, Portugal, and France potentially will will sail through under the radar. Um, I think Spain will be there as well, but. You know, Uruguay, Portugal, and France. I think have got really good squads. Really, um, you know, battle-weary players or battle-hardened players. You know, who know how to win. You know, that's been proven with Portugal. You know, I think they they went through the Euros with, I think, on the way to the tournament, went to the final. They'd only actually won a single game in ninety minutes. I think it was Wales. I think the rest of the time they had either drawn or won on penalties or or scraped their way through anyway. So. They know how to win. That's also the same with Uruguay. You know, this the centre half pairing, um, right from Atletico Madrid, Atletico Madrid, sorry, um, absolute solid, and with you know Suarez and Cavani up front, um, you know, a brilliant double act. Yeah, they will be potent. They will, you know, know how to win. They're quite happy winning one 0 and I think they will be one of these teams where, you know, even if you know they're facing much better opposition, you know, they can defend, um, and they will make teams beat them um, they have the quality going forward as well so I think Uruguay are possibly ones to watch out for France have just got a brilliant squad um, defensively okay Umtiti I really like as a player um, going forward um, Griezmann Dembele Mbappe even big uh, Oliver Giroud I think uh, great talents great 
potency up there. Struggled a little bit against Australia, but again, that kind of opening game solidity, they managed to get the win eventually by hooker by crook. So I think France could could um, the good tailwind could go far in this in this tournament. Spain as well, well we know you know we're accustomed to and we all enjoy watching Spanish football. Um, you know the short passing style, the movement, players like Isco, Iniesta, absolutely you know brilliant. You know ball control, short passing, you know fluid football. Same as said with, with David Silva, you know the names just roll off the tongue. So I think Spain will, will be okay. I, I don't necessarily expect them to go that far. They might prove me wrong, and I hope they do prove me wrong. But I think once they get to the, the later stages, they might you know look a bit more vulnerable. Um, the same with England, you know, it has to be said. Where I don't know how often they're really tested. I know they played Italy in the qualifiers, but this is an Italy team that didn't even make it to the World Cup. So, you know, whether or not they'll be fully tested um, remains to be seen. But I suppose that could be said for for a lot of the big teams. So, we'll see how that goes. One reasonable big team I think that could be in danger are Colombia. Um, I. Uh, I kind of had a, a bit of a soft spot for Colombia after the 2014 World Cup. Um, I've seen James Rodriguez play a, a few times for, for Bayern and I've been really impressed with him. Um, but they felt a 2-1 defeat to Japan, who were, who were really good. It was a really exciting game, actually. But yeah, Colombia were a bit disappointing and you know, they're in a bit of a precarious position now as well with regard to qualification. So we'll, we'll need to watch that space and we'll see how they how they react to that defeat and see if that kind of sparks them into life and if they can progress. The same with uh, Poland. I actually thought Poland would be, you know, a solid team to bet on to get to the second round. You know, good, solid European team with the, the talent of uh, Lewandowski up top, who I, you know, I think is just a, a fantastic striker. But yeah, they, they failed to defeat against uh, Senegal. Um, a very, a very good Senegal team, as we said. They they defended defended well, and with uh, Sadio Mane up top, they've got clearly got a threat. Um, they didn't have the the greatest kind of warm ups games for the um, for the tournament. I think they had a couple of defeats, and they certainly got you know, kind of resoundedly beaten by uh, Croatia. I think that was uh, was a way to Croatia, but yeah, they managed to meet Poland, and you know puts them in a great position. And I think um, you know everyone. Certainly, of my generation remembers the the kind of the great, the fun, the real romantic Senegal team of two thousand and two, um, where they you know they beat France in the opening game and they really took to the tournament, and uh, you know we'll see how they get on this time because you know maybe one to watch, maybe this is the team that you know everyone, all the neutrals will be celebrating um, as the tournament goes on. One thing that we've not seen yet, and one thing that you know I would put into the expectations category of the uh, the World Cup roundabout is that we're yet to see a meltdown. Um, there's always some sort of meltdown in the World Cup, whether it's you know Roy Keane throwing a hissy fit, um, or falling out with Mick McCarthy and storming out of the Ireland team, or uh, Luis Suarez biting people um, in the last tournament. You know, there's always something. There's always some some mad, crazy story um, that comes out. Somebody always has a meltdown. So we'll wait and see what it is. I'm, I'm waiting with bated breath. Um, waiting with bated breath at the moment to see what that is so um, we'll see but you know likewise if, uh, if any listeners have ideas then yeah please please get in touch with us and, and give us your predictions for meltdowns you know who's going to have it where is, where's it going to occur um, you know contact us on twitter that's the at 
the at football weather on Twitter or just via the footballweather.com website. Let us know your predictions for what the meltdown this uh, this World Cup is going to be. And um, be interested to hear from from everybody. So that's us, um, World Cup Roundup Week 1 from the thefootballboiler.com. I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, as I said, if you've any comments or, or want to discuss anything, please feel free to contact us through social, social media. We'll hopefully be getting uh, a couple more podcasts issued um, in the coming weeks through the tournament. So keep your eyes out on social media and all the uh, the various podcast platforms where we're where we're available. I think we're, it's ever expanding. It's, you know, iTunes, Google Podcast Player, I think Pocket Casts. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a few of them anyway. Um, so yeah, keep listening and keep enjoying the World Cup, and uh, see you later. Cheers.